0: Good morning, Brookside. It's great to see all of you here. I too um, wanted to say welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. And uh, thanks for thanks for joining us here this morning. It's been a, it's been a really fun weekend around here. We had Friday night a big event, and then our connection event coming here after this this service as well, and um, just a lot of a lot of fun stuff happening. So, hey, I would love to uh, to pray with you before we dive in this morning, and let's just go before the Lord. One of the things I love is that. When we approach God, and you've, you've, um, you've maybe heard this before, maybe it's brand new to you, but when we, when we approach God, he, um, he responds to us in a loving way. And so this morning, let's go to him and just say, Lord, we want to pursue you this morning. So would you pray with me, and, and then we'll, we'll dive in. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you that you are that kind of God. Thank you, Lord, that the songs and the, the, the words that we've spoken to you of worship this morning, uh, Lord, they're all true. And uh, we just want to say, we declare that to you, you Lord, you are worthy and Lord, we want to ask now in these next moments, and um, uh, we want to ask that you would speak to us. And, and maybe this is a new prayer for you, but I just want to encourage you just in a moment here just to say, Lord, um, I'm open to you this morning because, Lord, we thank you that you respond to a prayer like that. Just a very sincere, Lord, speak to me this morning. And so would you even just take just a second right now and just say, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? And he'll answer that prayer. So go ahead. Lord, I thank you that we can pray that kind of a prayer with with absolute confidence, and uh, Lord, you're worthy. So uh, we love you, and now we pray you do a great work in our midst, and that we thank you. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, today we're in uh, part three of a four-part series called Dream, God's Dream for You. And in this series, what we've been seeing is that God's dream for us is the most fulfilling. It is uh, the most exciting. It is the the kind of dream, it's the kind of plan for our life that we absolutely don't want to miss. It's inspiring. It's noble. It's the kind of thing that that you just go, wow, if God would have a plan for me, wow, I want to be a part of it. So we've been diving into that. You know, when you think about a dream, you think about something that's maybe a high aspiration, maybe... For you, you think about wow. These are my these are the plans that I have that someday someone might say of me, wow, that was true of that person. And if they did, you would be, you would be so glad that that would be true of you. Uh, Dreams are there. There are aspirations. Uh, Before we put our kids to bed, oftentimes we'll just say a, a prayer over them. And this past week, I was with Ashlyn. She's our middle child. She's seven years old. And And so I will frequently pray a specific prayer over her, and so we're sitting there, and and I began to pray, and I I said, I said, God, I pray that you would give Ashlyn the ability to dream big dreams, and then, Lord, that you'd give her the courage to pursue those. And so her and I are having this deep moment of us connecting with God about her bright future and God's significant plans for her life. And in the midst of that, as I said amen, she interrupted me actually and and she said, my big dream is that you guys would finally get us a dog. And I was like, I was like, wow, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that, you know, we got you an ant farm, you know, I mean, what more do you want, you know? And so then a couple days later, you know, as she's talking all about her dream more and more, she brings home this book, it's called Puppy Training, right? (laughs) And she just wanted us to do a little bit of family reading, and then this one, all about Dalmatians, you know, (laughs) everything you need to know. And I'm thinking, come on, come on, kid. But it's a little harder when it's your daughter. I got to be honest with you. The two boys, they're easy to say no to, but she's a little harder. But think about dreams for a second. The reason why I love this series that we're in is because as we look at 2015, it's giving us a chance to step back and to say, okay... What is the foundation upon which, what's the ground upon which I could pursue the greatest things that God would have for my life? That one day I would be able to say, without a doubt, my life was honoring to God, that it was lived not just half-heartedly, but it was lived with, um, with great excellence, that it was, it was on purpose. And so I love this series because we're diving in and we're saying, okay, What are the things that God would have for us? What's that foundation? You know, you might be here this morning, and you've said, wow, 2015, I want this to be, this is a fresh start, and you're saying, I want to take some new ground this year. Um, Or maybe for you, you're saying, "Um, you know, I've I've not walked with God before, but in 2015, I'm going to step into that. I'm going to see, what is it like to do life with God? I've done life apart from Him, but what's it like to embrace life with God? So in this series, we've been looking over these four weeks, we're looking at four Old Testament Psalms, and we're asking this question, what can we learn about the dreams that God would have for us, the grand plans? And there's one thing that I hope that you'll just be confident of this morning, because some of you might feel like this isn't true, but I hope that you know this morning that the door is wide open to God's dreams for your life, to God's plans that are, that are big, that are significant. It's not a closed door. You might feel like it is, but I want you to know this morning that that door is, is completely open. It's wide open. So let me review where we've been so far, and you can catch up online as well. Pastor Steve looked at, in the first week, Psalm 103, and he talked about what it means to know God. And we said that there's this foundation upon which a knowing God really sets us up for everything else. When we know who God is, it changes everything. It allows us to say, wow, if that's really who God is, that makes me want to chase after him. It makes me want to give my life to following him. And then last week, he looked at Psalm 23, and we found as we looked through that that the greatest dreams of our lives are fulfilled when when we rely on God, when we don't rely on ourselves, but when, when we rely on him. And as we learned about who he is, it makes us stand back and just go, okay, if that's really true, If that's really who God is, there's no one else that I would want to rely on for my life. This morning, we're going to be diving into Psalm 37, and I'm excited for it. We're going to be talking about what it means to delight in God. Uh, We just come out of Christmas, and so you know that feeling of, of when you give a gift. It's not so much about the material things that are exchanged, but you know how when you give a gift, what really brings you joy is the expression on the person's face that you're giving the gift to. Does it bring them delight? This year, we got our oldest son, a Red rider BB gun. He's still got both of his eyes a couple you know, weeks later. I'm pretty glad about that. But here's the thing. When he opened that up, we're talking about delight. I mean, he was so excited. Now, here's the thing. When God looks at us and when we delight in him, oh, it brings his heart joy. Um, When God sees, wow, we're satisfied in him, we delight in him, what does it do? It brings the heart of God joy. It's the best place. God looks at that and goes, when you delight in me, that's the best place that you could possibly be. And we're going to see a promise in the scriptures that supports that this morning. I want to give you, before we dive into one specific promise that we're going to land on in Psalm uh, 37 this morning, I want to give you kind of the 30,000-foot view. I want us to think big picture for a minute about what's exactly going on. What's the context of Psalm 37? Um, Here here it is. This is how the, the psalm really goes. It's a contrast between two worlds we see in this psalm. On the one hand, in Psalm 37, there's a description of people that, in a sense, they're living with their hand right to the face of God, opposed to God. And, and they're doing things in the psalm. It says that they plot evil schemes. It says that they oppress the poor. They're, they're, they're pushing hard against the ways of God. And throughout that psalm, these people are characterized by wickedness. Now, if you go to the other side, the other world that's contrast is the person that uh, delights in God. It's the person that is not opposed to God, but they're going after God, they're pursuing God, they're characterized in the psalm by humility, and they desire, they seek justice, they want want peace, they're generous. They're characterized over and over, we see in the psalm, not as wicked, but they're characterized as righteous. And here's what we find. As David is writing this psalm, as he's giving instruction to this group of people that they're pursuing, they're going after God, he gives them some more insight, he gives them some more encouragement, and in the context of doing so, you and I walk away with kind of this, I think it's like a diamond in the rough, it's like this beautiful promise that God gives us this morning, and it helps us understand, okay, God, what do you want, what do you desire for our lives? So here it is, Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, "...delight yourself in the Lord." and he will give you the desires of your heart. Big, important, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when you read that psalm, I mean, it's several things. It's it's loaded, it's inspiring. But this psalm also, it comes with a lot of questions. We're going to talk about those this morning. This is our main point. This is where we're headed this morning. Here it is. Maybe jot this down. Delight, not duty, leads to God-given dreams. Delight, not duty, leads to God-given dreams, and we'll unpack that as we go. But first, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the, the misconceptions or the misinterpretations of Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when you hear that, you might think, okay, well, what, is that, what does that really mean? It's important for us to understand this psalm for two reasons. First is because of this, the impact that it ha- can have in our lives. But secondly, it's important for us to understand this psalm because in this particular verse four, because if we don't, we can misapply it. We can totally uh, take it in a direction that is not intended to go. Some people doing that would say this, become a Christian and God will give you everything that you want. It's almost saying that, that you're in charge. It's almost saying that, hey, once you become a Christian, God works for you. It's kind of an entitlement mentality. Others would say this, if you're a good Christian... If you do what's right, God is obligated to fulfill your wish list. Perhaps you've heard of the mentality, name it, claim it, that if you trust God, forever you will be wealthy and healthy. That's it. Trust God and, boy, you deserve, you, you're going you're to get that no matter what. It's this posture that says, you know what, God, uh, you, you owe me. Uh, right motives are out the door. It's like the 27-year-old supermodel that marries the 87-year-old billionaire, Motives are a little in question there, right? Now, the downside to this is this. The downside to how this verse gets misinterpreted is this. Many people will say this. Christians will say, I'm just going to discount it altogether. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, I know how that gets misused. And so I'm just going to dismiss it altogether. And that's a tragedy because it's, it, it is, it's a true statement, And it's in God's word, and it's it's God's promise to us. And so this morning, we want to be the type of people that we we lean into it, and we ask the question, well, what does that really mean? And how do I really embrace this incredible promise that God gives us in this psalm? So we're going to look at it uh, closely. Here's the first part I want us to focus on, the last, very last part, desires of the heart. Now, this is what's true of me. Left to myself, apart from God, You could say of me, I am a sinful man, I am a lustful man. You could say, I am greedy, I am selfish. Apart from the grace of God, that's who I am. The desires, the natural tendencies of my heart, apart from the grace of God, they're not good. They're not good at all. In the scriptures, we find that theologians, they call it total depravity, meaning this. They look at the Bible and they say, okay, it, there's, there's definitely a theme that left man left to himself, he'll go the wrong way. He'll do, he'll do wrong things. My parents never had to sit me down. They never had this conversation with me as a child where they said, you know, little Jeffy, we know you're, you're four now, and, and we just wanted, we want you to, to try something today you've never tried before. We want you to try to be selfish. They, they didn't have to do that. I mean, it was natural. They were trying. They were working hard on the other side, right? I was born into it. We all were. We have, we have desires of our hearts that some of them we just go. That I know is blatantly wrong. I'm engaging in it. You might say, but it's blatantly wrong. Other things you'd say. You know what? They're they're more a little more subtle. Maybe greed, whatever, whatever you could be. You could you can you can name it for yourself. But notice this, there's a key clause that comes before the desires of our heart that God's talking about that he wants to fulfill. Here it is, delight yourself. He's saying that there's this precursor to God giving you the desires of your heart and it's this, it's that we would delight ourselves in the Lord, that he would be our joy. And what God's word says this morning is this, is that when we delight in him, when we do that, it's the precursor to him saying, that, in that place when you delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart will line up with my desires, with my dreams for you. And what we find is that those are the greatest dreams that we could possibly lean into with our lives. And where do they start? They start with delighting in him. I heard this from a guy, um, just a very successful guy by many of the world's standards. And But he said this, he said this, in the midst of in the midst of his fame and in the midst of his, the success of his life, he, sa- he made this statement. In the midst of really a lot of dreams coming true, he said, I used to worry about if I would succeed in life. Now I worry about if I will succeed in things that really matter. It's huge. You know, we're in the height of, of football season. This weekend is uh, the playoffs later today, I, I hear. And, and um, now if you watch any, any football today, you, you know this. The position of the ball on the field is very important. Any offensive line, any defensive line, they're looking to one person at the beginning of every play that starts. They're looking to the offensive center. The offensive center walks up to the line and he grabs the ball. And when he grabs the ball and he gets it positioned and he gets it still, everybody on the field takes their position in regards to where that ball is. That ball is the starting point. If one of the wide outs lines up in front of it, boom, the ref will throw the flag, won't he? Why? It's because the ball is the starting place. God is saying this to us this morning. He's saying the the starting place for you to find the greatest desires of your life, it's this. It's delighting in me. Delighting in me. If you want the deepest longings of your soul to be satisfied, God would say to us this morning, don't go chase your own dream. God would say, first do this, delight in me, and then I'll give you the desires of your heart, the true desires that your heart is actually longing for. So we have to ask the question, what does it mean to delight in the Lord? Here it is. It means that we treasure him. It means that we treasure our relationship with Him. It means that we find great joy in the reality of who we are in Christ. It means this. It means that we run to Him. It means that we say, okay, God, I could do this my way. I might even be very successful doing it. But it means that, no, I chase after Him. I delight in Him. I go to Him. He becomes my greatest desire the writer and the theologian C.S. Lewis, he made this statement, and it's really a statement of judgment about the level of desire that that oftentimes people operate, he he operate with. He said this, he said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. What he's saying is this is that god is saying oh man it's 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 like a contrast between making a mud pie and sitting in a dirty slum versus oh a beautiful castle at the sea when we think about okay what would it be like if i pursued it myself and my desire for god was low or the other side of it a beautiful castle at the sea when i pursue god's dream when i delight in him he's saying when you compare those two he says oh if only our desire for god he's saying would be higher I think it's easiest really to understand this whole thing of how we practically, practically delight in the Lord when we contrast it. When we contrast the word delight, we come up with the word duty, right? It's, it's the difference between I want to, and I'll be honest, when you say I want to, I mean there's a bit of joy with that, isn't there? There's a bit of oh, excitement with that. It's a difference between saying I want to and I have to. I have to, that's heavy. That's all I, I got i got to do it. There's a big difference. I want to and I I have to. I was talking to a friend this week, and he was telling me that for years he walked with God with this kind of mindset of, I have to. And he said, I I walked with God, and I I did it completely out of this kind of uh, just obedience. He said, I thought the end game in a relationship with God, and he was a sincere Christian. He said, I thought the end game in a relationship with God was obedience, that that was it obedience and he said I completely missed out for so long on the fact that God would call me and God would long for me to delight in him not to begrudgingly go through the motions but to delight it's like this you know Valentine's Day is coming up and imagine that a husband gets home and opens uh, the garage door but instead of going in he actually goes to the front door and rings the doorbell and imagine his wife comes to the door and She opens the door to see him, and there he is, and as she comes and opens the door, he whips out this beautiful, huge bouquet of expensive flowers. So he's standing there, and she opens the door, and she says, honey, you you know, you you didn't have to. Why did you do it? And he says to her, it's my duty. (laughs) Now that man better get his little blanket out for the night on the couch, right? But imagine this, imagine he goes to the door and, you know, he doesn't go through the garage, he goes to the front door, ding dong, rings the doorbell and here comes his wife and he gets out the flowers and he's all cleaned up, he looks nice and she opens the door and she says, oh honey, you didn't have to, why why, why did you? And he says, nothing brings me greater joy than to do this for you. I can't wait, I've got a whole night planned for us. And he speaks with delight in his voice. Notice this, when you think about delight, there's emotion with it. When you walk with Jesus Christ delighting in the Lord, it's not free of emotion. When you think about joy, emotion is right there with joy. Remember this delight, here it is, not duty, leads to God given dreams. God's not saying, I I want you to be dutiful. God's saying, no, no, first delight in the Lord, and then you'll you'll find the desires of your heart. So, what causes us, us to delight? What causes us to kind of have this, this different kind of response? What causes us not to be the type that, hey, why did I get you flowers? See the ring? We're married. That's why. What causes, what causes us not to be that, but to be, oh, I'm just, I love you. There's nothing I would rather do. There's no one I would rather spend money on. What's the difference? How do we get to the place where we would say, it's, there's no doubt about it. It's crystal clear. I delight in the Lord. I think it starts with this. It starts at a very basic level where we embrace the reality of who we are in Christ. It starts at this place where you and I, where we think about the gospel and we think that, okay, before Jesus Christ, I was far from God. I was far from God. I was separated from him. I didn't know him. And then by his grace, I found out, right? I found him. I found that the message of forgiveness was offered to me And I grabbed a hold of that, and now I live in a new reality. I live in the reality that I'm forgiven. It's amazing. It blows my mind. What does that do, though? I mean, think about that. When you think about the gospel, Christ died for you. He rose from the grave, proving himself to be God so that you and I could be forgiven. What does it do? It it wells up in us delight. How else do we find delight? I think this is maybe another way to do it. It's, It's when we think about, when we recount, the goodness of God. When we recount the faithfulness of God, this would be fun sometime just to pass around a microphone for a whole service and just say, Hey, let's just talk about the faithfulness of God. How have you seen God be faithful in your life? And we could go on for hours in this room alone. It's when you stop and you just think, Oh, wow, when I look over the course of my life, God, you've done that and that and that and that. Just this week I was talking to a guy and he said, I went home and I, I showed my wife this bill that we got to repay the car and, and to repair the car, and he said, Uh, It was a big one, and she said to me, how are we going to pull that off? And he said, I just had this sense, you know, God's in control. We're going to trust God. We're going to keep doing the right things as best as we can. And he said, sure enough, an unexpected blessing came their way. And, And what was he doing by telling me this? As he's telling me, he was celebrating. He was celebrating. He was delighting in the fact that God is faithful. The fact that God is faithful. We delight in God when we think about the fact that you and I were accepted not, not based on how funny or how smart or how well we dress. We're not accepted in God's eyes based on any of that. We're accepted in God's eyes when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, in him and him alone. We delight in Christ when we take time and we contemplate the fact that he calls us a child of the living God. I mean, think about that. That means that you are an heir to God. We got Aiden uh, this Red Rider BB gun for Christmas. I'll be honest, the reason why that was so special is because he's our son. Now, if we would have just gotten that for another kid, it would have been good, and we would have helped a kid out, hope, um, you know, but, <laughs> but the reason why that moment was so good for us was because I knew the, the joy that it would bring him. Think about this, you, you're a child of the living God. <laughs> it's amazing. It causes us to delight in him. The Apostle Paul, he knew what it meant to delight in God, and I love this. This is, I think, my favorite passage in all the scriptures. The Apostle Paul, he had a lot of different things in his life that he could have said on his resume cause him to have great delight in his life. You know, different accolades, different things behind his name in a sense. But then he said this, this is after he's found Christ, he said this kind of looking back, so he's listed all these things, and then he says, but whatever gains... Uh, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Some translations say, I consider them rubbish. He says that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in, in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. So here's Paul. He's got all of these things behind his name, things that some of them, were, it was completely okay to delight in as long as you're delighting in them in the right order. But Paul wasn't at one time. And so Paul's saying now, I, I might delight in these things a little, right, or the right amount, but he's saying above all, my greatest delight, my greatest delight, Paul is saying, is God himself. It's Jesus Christ. Sometimes I wonder when, when I read the scriptures, like, what were they thinking when they were writing? And I was thinking about Second Corinthians 5.17 this week because when Paul penned this letter to the church in Corinth, I bet you there was without a doubt this amazing amount of delight on his face because he wrote this. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He said, the old is gone, the new has come. In a sense, Paul was saying, if I've got to summarize the gospel in just one sentence, Paul says, if anybody's in Christ, if they know Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, when he wrote that, there had to be this amazing amount of delight on his face because he was doing this. He was saying, wow, wow. I mean, think about what a delightful thing it is. People, you and I, we can find and follow Jesus Christ. Paul's saying it doesn't get any better than that. As you know, there are a lot of things that you and I could say take our delight. There are a lot of things. I mean, you'll leave here today, and and I will, and and there'll be all sorts of things that we can delight in. And, And, you know, when you think about it, a lot of those things actually seem kind of urgent. You might feel like, you know what, I would delight in a new car. I need one, you might say. You might say, wow, we need to move. I would delight in a new house. Some of you, you're miserable in a job. You'd say, if I could just get a new job, that would be delightful. I would, I would, I would delight in that. Um, others of you might say, wow, just this relationship. If I could just get that one fixed or bring this one into my life, that would be, that would be delightful. That might be my, my greatest delight. Truth be told, the things, though, that oftentimes we can delight in, they seem urgent, don't they? I mean, they seem like they're pressing. I heard this, this statement this week, and I wanted to share this with you. This is important. It says, it is wiser to delight in what is ultimate over what is urgent. Think about that. It is, it is wiser to delight in what is ultimate. It's, it's wiser to delight in the God who's over all of it instead of the urgent. It is wise to put things in order and say, you know what? The greatest desire, the greatest delight in my life, it's going to go to God himself. There are times when I get home from work and um, um, I'll come in the, the, the stairs and, uh, you know, up the stairs. And, and one of my kids will say, Daddy's home. And I love it when they say it like that. And, and then one of them sometimes will even run to the top of the stairs to greet me. Feels great. Daddy's home. He's excited, right? He's delighting. The older ones aren't doing that so much anymore. I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> but imagine this. And, and this happens. Um, there are times now where I'll walk up the stairs and there'll be no one There. And I'll see that the, they're, they're right there, though. It's not like they didn't hear me, you know. And, and so I'll, I'll walk over to them, and I'll say, hey, how was your day? But they're engrossed in, like, an activity or book or something. And, and so they'll be like, good, you know, boom, back, you know. And, and it's kind of, like, undelightful, not a big deal. Now imagine this. Imagine if I come home, and I say, hey, everybody. And I walk up that last flight of stairs, and, and all of a sudden they come, all three of them. And they come, and they kind of just kind of lugging along, and they stand at the top of the stairs, and they say, hey, we did it. We're here. You good? We're good. And then they turn and walk. Now, imagine that. That would be pure duty. Now, I would rather that they stay in their rooms if they would ever get to that point, right? Let me ask you a question this morning. What would God say of you? What would God say of me? What he say, wow, when you come into my presence, it's as, though, it's as though you delight in me. It's as though I've been gone, and you're glad I'm there. Oh, I, I, I worship you, Lord. Oh, I run to you. I, I delight in you. Daddy's home. What's it like? Remember, delight, it comes with some emotion, and that's okay. That's right. My encouragement to you this morning, just very quickly here, is these two words just to think about. Number one, we've talked about it is how do you get more delight for the Lord? How, if that's the precursor to the dreams of your life being fulfilled, the desires of your heart, delighting in the Lord, how do you get there? If that muscle's not been exercised in a while, how do you get it moving? Here it is. I think you reflect. You reflect on who God is. And then secondly, you just talk about it. You tell God, you say, Lord, today I just want you to know, I'm going to tell you, I delight in you. I've got other things that I could delight in, but today I'm just gonna proclaim, God, when I think about who you are, when I think about who I am in Christ, when I think about your faithfulness, I proclaim it. I'm gonna tell you, God, I delight in you. Because remember this, duty is not the way. Delighting in Christ, that's the precursor to God-given dreams. Delight, not duty, leads to God-given dreams. So let's do this, let's ask God for, for help with that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you um, that you are the kind of God that, Lord, when we really think about who you are, it is not a chore for us to say, Lord, we delight in you. Lord, we worship you. Um, It's not hard for us, Lord. And so we just want to proclaim that right now together as a church, Lord. Might Brookside Church never be a church in this city where we are a people of duty? But Lord, might we be a people that as we think of you and the great purposes of God in our city, God, we would say, oh, we delight in the work of God. We delight in the character of God. And then, Lord, I think of the person that's maybe here this morning and they would say, I've never delighted in the fact that I can be forgiven. And so, Lord, I pray that today they would know they can embrace you through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, what a message, Lord. We love you and we thank you for that reality. We pray this In Christ's name, and Lord, now we worship you. We worship you because you're worthy. So let's stand together now and and we'll worship.